Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by former Washington tight end, Logan Paulson. I love having him on here because I learned and that means you learn too. Always great insight. Make sure you follow him on Instagram. He'll tell you how to do so in about two minutes. And you can read my work on ESPN.com, of course, and follow me on Instagram at John Kime ESPN. I've made this offer before, but if you know someone who's down in the dumps over the holidays, maybe it's yourself, and you could use a few minutes break from things, I'm happy to have a private Zoom conversation with you or whoever that you recommend. There's not much I can do other than maybe talk football for a few minutes. If you want that, hit me up on Twitter at John underscore Kai. Logan and I discussed a lot of what's going right recently. We did not talk about running back Antonio Gibson, but we did talk about the run game at the O-line, tight end John Bates' blocking, and the little details that help. With Gibson, he's done a better job pressing the hole and deserves credit for improving in this aspect. I know he's fumbled five times now. One thing Ron Rivera said is he's not going to tell him don't fumble, but he will remind him often to protect the ball. It's all about how you phrase something. One puts a negative thought in your head. The other is a reminder. We'll see if it helps because you don't want that to be the difference in a game as they move forward. But to, my, to the earlier point, he's doing a better job pressing the hole. Some of that might be a function of how they're clearing out some of these holes and with play design. But some of that too, I think, is him being a little bit more patient and setting blockers up a lot better. Anyway, let's get to Logan Paulson. So here's my conversation with former tight end Logan Paulson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Logan, the master of X's and O's, and that's why I always like talking to you and your ability to analyze is, is awesome. And for those, before we get into this, for those who want to know hear more from Logan, go to his Instagram page. Logan, before we get going, where can they find you on Instagram? Yeah, Logan underscore Paulson82. Um, do breakdowns and stuff on there. It's easier sometimes for people to see it, so that's yeah. where um, that's what I'm using at the moment. Yeah, and, it, and it's always insightful stuff. So let's get to this team. First of all, two in a row. Do you believe in them? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a big guy who I like to get a, a lot of data points, right? And so right now, the data points from prior this year kind of indicate that I shouldn't be buying them, but I do think there's been a philosophical change in the team, right? Guys seem to be making plays. I know that's kind of a generic um, kind of catch-all phrase, but, you know, tough catches that guys weren't making at the beginning of the year, they're now making tough reads, tough throws. 
um, working through progressions. Taylor, Taylor Heineke is now making those those plays that he wasn't making early on in the season. I think he's protecting the football a little bit better. Um, the the O line's playing outstanding. The defense also is kind of the, the back end, especially seems to be communicating really yeah. well. Things worked out in a nice way. So I'm I'm on board. I guess I'm on board as I can be, having uh, given the first half of the season. And you know it's funny, Logan, because before the Panthers game. I thought that game was going to, I was going back and forth all week who I wanted to pick. And it's easy to say, oh, I should have picked them. Well, I picked the Panthers, so I was wrong. But I thought, like, the game unfolded about the way you thought. Would I keep, and, and the reason why I really, that I did like them and wanted to pick them initially was they play with so much confidence against Tampa Bay. And there, to me, like, sometimes it's that intangible thing, the mindset, the approach, et cetera. But I just kept thinking, God, they have too many injuries. You know, and so like you think like, how long can they keep this up? So I want, but so I'm wondering about like confidence mindset. Mm-hmm. Can you sense that? And how much difference can that make in a team? And is that, a, is that a, am I, did you see the th- same thing, feel that? Yeah. So I think that's a really good question. I think that's one of the reasons I actually picked Carolina when it came time to pick on my show. And one of the reasons I felt that way is because like the, the emotional intensity with which they played with was so high, right? Mm, the physicality yeah. with, with which they played with was so high. And it takes an incredibly mature football team to do that two weeks in a row. It takes incredible internal leadership to make that happen. And I didn't think they could do it two weeks in a row because I feel like they're a young team. They didn't have a lot of leadership. And I think it speaks to Ron. I think it speaks to this staff in terms of their ability to kind of get the guys motivated again. And then, you know, you like you mentioned like the psychology of it. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of go back and forth on is the statistical element that a lot of these big brands are promoting, like PFF, for example, because there is a human element. Right. And when you see a guy, when you see guys playing with the confidence that this group is playing with the O-line, the running backs, the receivers, you know, DeAndre Carter, Cam Sims, these guys aren't anybody's first pick in, you know, like. For, for the second round receiver for this team. But those guys are making plays for this group, and Taylor Heineke's finding ways to get them the ball. Uh, Scott Turner's doing a great job scheming up plays and taking advantage of different coverage looks. So I think, you know, like the whole mindset, the confidence that everyone is building, that's something that you feel as a player. Like in 2012, when this team won seven in a row when I was on the team, like we had this belief that no one in the NFL could beat us. Like we really thought that. And it wasn't like lip service. It wasn't like something we'd say to the media. It's like, we believe that no matter who we were playing, we were going to win. And that's why momentum is like this weird thing that you can't quantify. But I think you're seeing elements of that with this group. Like the confidence is growing, the intensity is growing, the maturity is growing. And so that's one of the reasons two weeks in a row I'm kind of bought in because of the psychological element, like you want to call it. Yeah, and, and it's – I mean, it does seem real because it seems like there are plays or moments where you say, okay, this could be it. This series could be it. That's, oh, that fumble is going to be the killer. That's why they're going to lose. Right. And they're not. And when you have a lot of guys who are in the situation like a Heineke, like a Carter, like a Cam Sims, who do have ability and maybe have been doubted, how mm-hmm. much does that help? Well, what I think, it, having played with DeAndre Carter uh, in Houston and in San Francisco, like one thing I do know about him is that he's like a pro's pro. And I think what they've done is they've cultivated a roster. And what I mean by that, it's a guy who comes in on time, knows what to do and executes to to the best of his physical ability. And everyone in this modern NFL seems to undervalue that, right? But having someone who knows the book, knows where to be and knows how to execute is extremely valuable. And so I think you've got a roster right now kind of composited of guys like that. When I see John Bates, I see a guy who in the run game, like 
on Wanda's away, he knows that I don't need to block the defensive end. I can block the safety because we only have a six-man blocking surface, and I got to block the six most dangerous, so the seven most dangerous, right? And I see that, and I see guys executing on the small details, and it mm-hmm. leads to big plays, and that's exciting. Even like Dax Mill, like he's making blocks in the run game. He knows yes, he is. And so when you get guys playing like that, playing uh, who know what the book says and know how to execute the, those assignments, even though they might not be the most physically gifted guys, it elevates the roster in a really nice way. And so that's like, you know, we talked, you and I talked about how, you know, Chase and Montez being out is a huge blow, but how it might not be quite as significant of a blow because Casey and James are both guys who know what to do and know how to execute within the confines of the defense. And I think you're getting that same thing on offense, right? Like how crazy is it that they were able to go to their third center, Wes Schweitzer, who hasn't played center in two or three years. And Cornelius Lucas, that guy deserves a medal. Like, most teams yeah. would kill for a guy, a swing guy, who's as good as your starter. Like, that is a blessing. And have those guys come in and know exactly what to do, know exactly how to fit the combinations. Like, that is a testament to this group. Like, I talked to Wes a couple weeks ago. He said they walk through six times a day. And one of the reasons is it lends itself to this ability to kind of elevate everybody mm-hmm. because they simply know what to do down in and down out. And I think that's a testament to this coaching staff and this group. Because, like, these are tough wins, and these are great wins. These are awesome wins. So really excited for, for that. And I want to get to Wes and Cornelius in a minute because I think those are underrated signings that teams make every spring, and it's why you cannot sit there and bitch and moan if a team doesn't sign a guy on the first day because you can still improve your roster. But I want to get to that in a minute because I do want to yeah. go back, stick with the mindset and the run game. When they're – I know that there were some people there who had been wanting them to run this way for a while. Now, whether it was a lack of commitment for a little bit or maybe more so game situation dictated getting away from that. But when you were able to run the ball like that, again, mindset, what happens when you went to the line, to the team, when you're starting to see that kind of run game success? Yeah. So first off, I think um, Scott Turner deserves a lot of credit. So like I did a little compilation on my Instagram, Logan underscore Paulson 82, where I looked at some of the deficiencies in the run game where they were targeting maybe one guy too far. They were asking double teams to get there. It was getting all muddy. There weren't good creases. It was really hard for the back to read and to press. And then they come out of the bye. And a a big reason they do that is because they have an RPO philosophy, Mm -hmm. right? And you don't block guys in the hole, like because you're accounting for them with the, the pass action away. And they have gotten away from that a little bit. They've, they still do it. It's a big part of their offense, but they've pulled back on it. And I think it's been extremely advantageous. And so I credit Scott Turner, a guy to be like, hey, like we can improve this. We can make these guys be able to sit on double teams, get after guys. And you saw that against a very mm-hmm. stout bunch of interior defensive linemen for Carolina, a very stout bunch of defensive linemen for uh, Tampa Bay, maybe the stoutest group of yeah. interior linemen in the NFL. And you, that's philosophy, that's coaching, that's a change internally that you made that allow those guys to be physical and get after it. And I think what that does is allow, it gives confidence to the O-line. Like there's no better feeling in my opinion, and now I'm biased because I'm like a blocking tight end of putting your hands on another human being and imposing your will. Because not only does that affect how you, how like the confidence of that defender, but it allows you to not have to pass protect. And I don't care who you are, you might be a man cornerback. There is nothing harder than pass protection in the NFL. Those guys on the edges are the most athletic dudes per, per pound of body weight you'll ever see. And so for you to have to backpedal and block those guys, no one wants to do that. It allows you to kind of get into play action, get into keeper stuff. It's great. And it just builds a confident group. And you, like we talked about already, like confidence is king when it comes to this stuff. 
And I'm going to take your word for it on the imposing your will because I was a buck 65 as a safety. I wasn't imposing my will. I was trying to survive, man. I was all about the, I was all about the speed, not, not the imposing your will. So I'll take your word for that. But the, the other all thing, right, that's that's here we go. but the other thing with the run game too, and I wanted to ask you about this too, because to me, another key in addition to all that has been the use of motion in the run game. Because mm-hmm. you're seeing it awful, awful lot. They're one of the heaviest run motion teams on run plays. And you see that opening other things up. How much has that helped? So it's actually helped a ton. And like they kind of they have a, they kind of have like their stable run that they like to do it out of, which is like a, a Wanda, which is a weak side run. So mm-hmm. like away from the tight end, and they bring the cross the tight end back on a cross sift action. So he starts mm-hmm. strong, he ends up weak, they bring a motion with it. And so I had to sit down and really look at like, what are they actually getting out of this run? And I broke that down on my Instagram as well. And one of the things they get is it just makes it really, really challenging for the linebackers to fit their gaps yeah. because usually they do it out of like a, like a light personnel, like a, like a, like an 11 personnel. So there's three wide receivers, a tight end and a running back. And so they match in nickel. And so when they get in that tight bunch, the nickel defender now has to fit. And when they take both those guys to the other side of the formation, the nickel defender goes from being a contained player to having to fit the run in the A gap, which is not something you want to major in defensively, right? So you try to scheme it up so that doesn't have to happen. And then oftentimes they're late to fit the run and the receiver can block them. And so you end up with these huge cavernous holes where guys can make a ton of plays. Big run against Tampa Bay, 15-yard run. Huge run against uh, Carolina. Yep, that's why I asked. I think you talked about on your Instagram as well. And so – I, it took me a minute to figure out because sometimes they, I felt like they were using the motion incorrectly. They, they were using the motion and bringing more people to the party. You know what I'm saying? Like using it mm. to the action of the run and the linebackers would run with right. it yeah, right. as opposed to using it to pull guys out now, of the box. Because now every time you see it, the run is going the opposite way. And that's a really nice wrinkle. And I think, again, like Scott Turner or whoever is involved with that, the run game coordinator deserves a ton of credit because that's saying, hey, we're having a hard time with the, with the motion going this way. We're not getting the action we want. Let's lean on this other thing, you know? And I think, you know, I, they had another wrinkle in the Carolina game where instead of bringing the tight end all the way across, they had him insert on the backer weak side. So you mm-hmm. still get that pull action, but you allow the offensive lineman to just block out and kind of build a wall there for you, which is awesome. I think it's just really innovative. And it's great when runs can play off of each other. Like that's the thing Kyle Shannon always used to say to me was like, you want your runs to complement one another. So right, it looks right, the same right. to the backer, but you get a little different action. And they've done a great job these past two weeks of doing that. So hopefully they can continue to do that. Yeah. And it, that's why I want to ask you about that. Cause it was to me, like it's been a, a very beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. Some of the other details that you're seeing is going to be hard for the average person to see, but you know, but that, that's why I love having you on. The other part of it. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's great. No, listen, it's great because it's insightful. So people can listen, for, watch for that. And that's what I, that's why I like having you on because you can teach people. And that's, I mean, you teach me all the time. We have a lot of conversations away from this that help me out tremendously. But one, you brought up John Bates earlier. I really liked, and I didn't I have to go back and watch every play. He's not perfect. He wasn't perfect, yeah. but the kid moves his feet to stay in front of guys and he blocks to the whistle. I don't care where that guy's going. He is going with you till the end of that play. What have you seen from him? So first off, one of the most impressive blocks I saw from him was on the McKissick run to offensive right in like plus territory. And basically they had him one-on-one with Brian Burns, who's a defensive Mm, end. And there's not many tight ends in the NFL that you can line up one-on-one. And it's not even like there's a combination block. It's like you're solo. We're actually going to double this internal defensive lineman with Leno and the guard here. 
And so that takes a lot of courage, a lot of faith in that position, because I've done that. I know how hard that is. And for him to handle that so well and so physically, you got to love that. And then there's like little things, for example, like, you know, we mentioned the, like the insert block, right, which right. he struggled with during OTAs. And he's not great at those, but he's covering guys up and he's being physical when he gets there. And maybe the most important thing I mentioned already, but like on the Wanda runs, right? So weak side run. For the, so let's say it's a left side run tight ends to the right, just understanding where the run's targeted and being able to block the right guy. Because you saw big runs where he's able to right, – he's right. on a safety or he's on a linebacker because he understands the count and he understands where he's got to go. And that's where the big, big, big plays happen. Like as a tight end who majored in this for, you know, 10 years, like one of my biggest frustrations is when you see a guy not know the count, which is an easy thing. You just got to study to do it, right? And then get on the right guy and then finish your block. You mentioned his finishes, right? That's awesome. You get you, yeah. it's awesome when you see the running back running and a guy on a block pushing at the same speed as that <laughs> he guy. Was, he was he buried though. I can't remember which linebacker it was, but he buried him on one of the uh, run to the left. I think it was Gibson's run, but yeah. he just, he drove him and he buried him there. There basically Gibson goes down, and then you see Bates <laughs> taking his guy down, and you know, and it's but that's what that's what they liked about him. Why why is that? You said it, I, that's what I was going to ask you. Is that how easy or hard is that to do? And as far as just identifying you know, in the count and who you're supposed to go get. Yeah. So it's, it seems easy because you basically say we have six guys to block and we have to block the six most dangerous. And so I'm not a math wizard, but I can count to six. Right. And most guys in the NFL can count to six, um, but they just, it's not important to them. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't put the time in because they want to catch passes. They want to do that stuff. And one of the reasons you, you, you spend a fourth round draft pick on John Bates is because this is important to him. The run game is important to him. The physicality, the, the mentality of running the football is important to him. That showed up at his tape in Boise State, and it shows up when he plays now. And that gives you something. That gives you a physical presence in there. And obviously, you need your Logan Thomases. You need your Ricky Seals-Jones. You need those guys, right? Because they add tremendous value from, a, from like an EPA standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. But it's nice to have somebody who can dictate a physical setting in the mm -hmm. run game. And you see it, right? You see it, how it helps the backs. You see it, how it helps the line. They can double team differently because you trust them on the edge. So I think it's been, and I would have liked to, that's again, that's a little bit of a frustration, but I would have, and he might not have been ready for this, but I would like to see that earlier. I would right. like to see them find ways to get him in earlier to use this skill set. This is why you brought him here, right? Use this physicality, use this knowledge base, because I think that's the other thing is like, there's not many guys I said, you know, in the draft, I called them a unicorn and everyone thinks that's the term that. for like Julio Jones or whatever, but it, it's a unicorn because there's a guy who made his living in college blocking people's faces off at tight end, which is what, what you don't see anymore. Right. And so to have that skill set now is a luxury that not many teams have. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for family, food and free bets. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit and you can play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, that's K-E-I-M, bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. There were a few years where, like, when they were here, they'd want, they draft uh, Bakari Rambo, wanted to be some physical player. That's not what he was, right? Or somebody or somebody like right. that. And it's like, well, you don't draft him and then expect him to become that. You draft guys who are that. And that's that's where he comes in. Going back to Wes Schweitzer and Cornelius Lucas, because I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. Cornelius up because, you know, it's funny. when he, Last year in training camp, 2020, I thought he was bad. I mean, he just, he did not yeah. look good. He did not look good at all. And it was, um, you know, I remember when he had to come in, like, this could be a disaster. And he looked a lot better. And then this year, I think he's been even better when he's had to come in. And then you get Schweitzer, who can play both guard spots and then emergency center. Both those guys were under the under the radar signings. But when they got them, it was all about because I remember talking to people here, it was all about needing to build depth on that front and we're seeing why that is so important. So why, but for my question then is why do you think they have been able to be that successful? How much it is just these individual guys? Is it something that you think Matsko, John Matsko, the line coach is doing with them? What, you know, what do you think has been the secret there? Yeah. So I, I think one, it's identifying the right guy. And like, so I got to play with Wes when I was in Atlanta and he is the, the right guy. You mentioned like you want to, you want to bring in physical football players. Like Wes is a physical football player. Yes, he is. He, he likes being nasty. He likes being – he's like what you want as an interior offensive lineman. He's like 6'2", 6'3". He's strong as an ox. He's 330 pounds. He runs a 4'9". Like he's – and he likes contact. He likes hitting people. And like having that in the mix, not only does that affect him, but it also affects other guys in the room. Because you get a guy who like supports physical football play, right? You do something physical, Wes comes up to you and says – I like that. And he's a, you know, I think he's a five-year vet in the NFL and that's means something to you. You know what I mean? So I think that that's extremely advantageous to have him on your roster. Also the flexibility of it, like for him to not have played center in two years and to know the playbook well enough to come in there and make those run calls and be that physical presence. I mean, it was funny. Like I I texted him this and I think this is true. Like when he came in at center, I was like, they're going to run the ball all over these guys because he's super physical and he knows what to do in terms of calling the run and he's going to get after it. And he did. And that's and that's a great asset and weapon to have on the team. And then Cornelius, like, I can't say enough of good things about him. Like, yeah. I remember talking to a couple of um, defensive linemen over the last two years, and they said they've had the biggest challenges in terms of rushing the passer because his arms and his size He's are so long. big. They can't get a they can't get a read on him. Mm-hmm. And finding that guy for the value that they found him and now molding him into a guy that can play right and left tackle yeah. at the drop of a hat is I mean. Like I think about Ty and Secchi. You remember Ty and Secchi? Absolutely. And the value that he brought because Trent would get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. He could come in. Morgan would get hurt. He would come in. You're kind of in that same lane. Like that guy's almost as important as your two starters. Oh, absolutely. And you, look teams, you look at teams that have a hard time finding a swing tackle. And they like the Dallas Cowboys are a great example. They had that Monday night a couple of weeks ago where their, where their backup swing tackle came in and he gave up five pressures or five mm-hmm. sacks, excuse me, 10 pressures and ruined the football game. That's not a worry you have here. And so I think that's just a great job of finding quality guys. And then you mentioned the offensive line coach, Masco. Like when I talk to these guys, one of the things they say is that he is relentless in terms of his preparation for them, in terms of walking through. Wes Wes said kind of in a frustration that they walk through six times a day. 
but you can see it. You can see their attention to detail. They know what to do. And that is at the end with that group and it builds cohesion. It's so important. And like a lot of credit to him because, you know, Lucas, when he came in, was not this player, right? No, he was. I'm telling you, he looked bad last summer. I mean, you know, I don't know if the coaches would go back. I'd like to go back and ask them, but he did. I mean, it was there at practice. You see what you see. He was getting beat a lot, um, but he yeah. looks good. And then because you know, like Flowers yeah. looks good. Charles Leno has looked look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's been. I mean, been, Leno to me has been another really nice surprise. He's a guy that I thought, you know, is kind of in that weird like twilight type of time mm-hmm. where maybe he's going out as opposed to getting better still. And he's had a phenomenal year. Yeah, like, he's, just he's been really. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, yeah, I mean, that, and which, but again, like, and Ron Rivera said this a lot, you, he wants to build strong fronts. And I think the emphasis on that quality depth mm-hmm. is, is just so huge. And I don't, you know, it's sometimes it's like, why don't more teams emphasize it to that degree? And I know it's not always the sexiest thing to do, but I give them credit. I remember even thinking this last year, but again, I go back to my earlier comments. It's why you don't grade free agency by what happens the day of and the day after with mm-hmm. all these big signings. It's always like, how are you helping your roster and fortifying your roster? And those two guys are prime examples uh, of, of doing that. Um, and then um, Taylor Heineke. I mean, big difference the last two weeks, red zone, third downs, accurate in the red zone, you know, and just seeming, I don't know if it's yeah. as simple as saying, Hey, going back to, to having fun, but he's been good. I mean, yeah, and I think like during the bye week, I went back and like, you know, I was I was kind of I think last time I was on here, I was being critical of Scott Turner and I'm going to eat crow here because I went back and I watched every single red or the last three games. So New Orleans, Kansas City, Green Bay and watched all the red zone and strike zone. So like, I think strike zone is like depends on who you are, but like 40 and in and then, you know, the red zone's like 25. It just depends on what staff you're with. But right. That's kind of right. my parameter. And there are a lot of plays that were open. That just were either misread yes. or misthrown. Especially, you know what I mean? yeah, absolutely. And I think I said to myself, "Well, that's not fair of me to be critical of Scott Turner because the execution's not there mm-hmm. by the offense." And so coming out of the bye, I was like, "That's great news if you're a Washington football team fan." But can they capitalize on it? Mm-hmm. And they've come out and they've capitalized emphatically. And a big part of that is due to Taylor Heineke. Like he just looks—I don't want to say like a different player because he's got this skill set to him, but he looks in terms of the reads. And the crispness of the ball and the decision making, he just looks like a more confident person. And he looks like he has a better understanding for the timing and the rhythms of the offense, which, again, like this offense is going to go as far as he can take them, which is a scary thought because he's kind of this high level backup, low end mm-hmm. starter type mm-hmm. guy. But I think if he can continue to play like this, like, and I go back to the Carolina thing, like he did a great job. That's a first game all season where he didn't throw a ball, ball or more that I thought that should have been picked off. Right, right, he right. just was really good at making decisions about when to scramble, getting down and protecting himself. You know, Scott Turner, again, did a great job calling quarterback runs for him. Oh, like, there was some, just, yeah. And it just looked better. And I think that's the really exciting thing about it. And I think the key, the, a big key has been going back to that run game because, you know, I don't, I don't advocate for the run for every team. Not every team is just built the same. I think with this team, this is what their identity has to be. And when, and I think it allows Taylor then to have a little bit less on him when you can, when you're not one dimensional. And so I think that's been, I think a, a big key as well. Um, we haven't, you know, you and I have never really talked a whole ton on Terry McLaurin because I think mm-hmm. it's a given for what he does, but as somebody who played this game, what, what do you think when you see him? Terry's an interesting guy to me because 
I love his approach. I love his leadership style. I love his physicality. And I'm always a guy, I'm like, man, is Terry, I'm, I'm like in the minority here. I'm like, is Terry a true one or is he like a, like a one and a half or a two? You know what I mean? Like, would he be served better if there was another kind of, you know, like Julio Jones or, mm-hmm. you know, DeAndre Hopkins or one of those big AJ Green in his prime? And like, would that make this off? Obviously it would make the offense better, but is, is he, is he Batman or is he Robin? They're both right. important. Right. Um, and I think the last two weeks, I've seen a guy who's Batman, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen a guy like that visit the slants that he caught against um, mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay to kind of seal the win on that third down. Like, you're not going to see a better play than that. No. It's man-to-man coverage. He wins it inside. Ball's a little late because of the pressure. And he eats one of the biggest shots, legal, clean shot, all that stuff. But that's a guy who loves football and is competitive. And then to see what he gets when he gets individual coverage, like all week they were hyping up number 28, Carolina. And he's mm-hmm. having a good year. Uh, Jackson, I think his name is, mm-hmm. and Terry ate him alive. And a little bit of that scheme and a little bit of that's Taylor playing better, but it's nice to see him kind of answer some questions that I had about him. You know what I mean? And I know mm-hmm. I'm not the end all be all in terms of talent evaluation, but I think it's, you ask what it is that separates him. And to me, it's just that physical mentality. Like he wants to win. He wants to win one-on-one matchups. And that's so important for that guy to be, the top dog in the offense. And I think he's showing why he deserves that accolade here. Yeah. And I, I always like, because the kid, the kid, the guy, <laughs> the, the guy, yeah, I mean, to me, he is kind of a kid, but, yeah, right. but, he's but he always, always he's done, right? like, he, he's every year trying to do something to get better. And I think that's mm-hmm. why he's going to have a long, highly successful career. Last thing, let's look at the defense, defensive line. What did you think you brought up Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill? What did you think? And then, you know, how that group overall played um, against the Panthers and then what they what you think they can do moving forward? Because I don't want to just focus on that, but moving forward, what can they do? Yeah, well, I think with the defensive line, it stops. The first thing you got to mention is John Allen. Like, Uh, yeah, terrific. I I was I was again, I was very skeptical of that big deal that he signed because I hadn't watched him a ton. I didn't know him that well. And when I had watched him in years past, I was like, he's good. But is he great? And this year, he's definitely great. Like mm-hmm. in the run game, in the pass game, like he's almost unblockable in certain situations. And then Jack Del Rio deserves credit too because he's found ways to ensure one-on-one matchups for him in the pass rushing situations, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and then with regards to you know, Payne had a good game. Ionitis has been Mr. Consistency. And then I love the physicality that the boys played with. They're kind of the unheralded yeah. guys, James Smith Williams and Casey Tua. You talked about you draft or you bring in physical guys. And they played physically. They were setting edges in the run game. They were getting off blocks. They were running to the football. And the other thing that I like about them is they seem really comfortable in space. They see like when you oh, drop yeah, them off, yeah, they absolutely. seem almost to have like a linebacker mm-hmm. kind of intuition, which has been really nice to see because I think it gives you some flexibility to run that drop eight. You know, Kendall Fuller has a tackle on an outbreaking route because the window's so small. Right. And it gets into a third down the next series. And because – Casey's dropping into the zone, right? It makes the window small. There's less grass to cover, less grass to tackle. So I think, you know, I don't think that they're better without Chase and Montez necessarily. But I do think those guys are, again, credit to the staff, credit to Ron. You found some guys who were nobody really wanted and are a little bit of land of misfit toys and you developed them. And they can now be serviceable starters in the NFL for an extended period of time if need be. And I'm always a big believer too. And you find out what guys do well. And, and then you do – and you use it for that. And I think one of the things that Casey does well, better than Chase, is dropping into coverage. Yeah. And I do think that – make you know, and it's 
people want them to be creative. You know, people like their coordinators to be creative, but that's part of being creative is you're going to drop those ends on occasion to, to free up another side, whether it's overload one-on-ones, whatever it is. So it does, it does help expand what you can do. And then, you know, it's funny because like you brought up Kendall Fuller. I think he's had a really good last four or five games or so. And I think for a while he was not playing like that. I still think William Jackson needs to adjust to playing zone. Because you can see, I think every week you can still see that there's like, there's a hiccup here and there, hasn't cost him. But um, those safeties, I think the secondary playing well. I mean, I love, you know, I guess last, I, I lied, last thing. What have you seen from the safeties landed? Cam Curl and even Bobby McCain. So Cam Curl, I mean, had a big ass last week. They basically like match up with the best receiving running back in the NFL. And he did a great job. And like, that, I think that, if anything, is a, is a data point to say like, he should have been playing because he's a better cover player than Landon was. And I think Landon's a a more physical, intuitive player when it comes to blitzing and the run game and all that kind of stuff. And so they both should be on the field. And I think kudos to the staff, man. They found a way to get both those guys on the field. I think it's helped Bobby McCain, right? Because they seem Mm -hmm. to be communicating really well in the back end. And then to get Landon in there, like in those, in their Cinco package where they got those five D linemen, Holcomb's in there and then to have Landon kind of be that flex player who can blitz, who can cover a tight end and man to man if you need, can buzz the flat effectively and is a sure tackler. Like everyone just looks more comfortable. And you talk you, at the top, you talked about confidence and what that means. You just see guys doing what they're good at and it makes them more confident. I think that's great. And I think it's helped, honestly, like everyone talks about Kendall Fuller, how he made his name playing nickel, but him being outside has been extremely advantageous. And uh, what's the guy's name? Danny Johnson, number three. Yeah, he's had a couple nice plays every week. And, and I think just having that, adding him to the mix, getting Kendall Fuller more comfortable has been great. You know, like he just looks, they look comfortable. They look like they know what to do. And that's not something I could have said, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And, and I think they're doing a better, a, a really good job too of with their disguises. It's yes. there were earlier in the year, wasn't quite as often, um, or maybe the timing was a little bit off, but now you're seeing McCain and curl, I think whatever looks they're giving a lot of times it's as the ball is snapped. And so yeah. like they're, they're holding their disguise a lot better and the timing is better. And I think that, you know, I think that was a reason why like Brady would have a little bit, uh, sometimes yes. pause a little bit. And, and that's a big deal. And that comes back to familiarity, comfort, you know, communication um, and smarts. So, and I think, I think that's, that's pretty good. Logan, thank you very much, man. I owe you as always. And someday I'll be able to repay you. Don't be like that. You, I, if anyone owes anybody, it's me owes you. So don't, don't, don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Logan for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. Have a terrific Thanksgiving. And please remember my offer. I'm a nobody, but I can talk about the team that people still love. I'll have another episode out later this week, possibly on Friday, no later than Saturday, as we look ahead to Seattle. Talk to you next time.